For the ones who know that a little late is always too late, and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, and our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com/keepstock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know how thankful I am. Thank you for the download, for the stream, hopefully for the subscription to this show, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. We keep strong and keep getting stronger because of the support from you guys. And what you guys can do to continue to support Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast is, number one, if you haven't subscribed already, please do. We're on Spotify iTunes, uh, uh, Stitcher, all over the place, Google Play, wherever you get podcasts from, we're there. We're also posted on YouTube and NotSam.com every week, but subscribe to the show wherever you can, and be sure to go over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and write a little review about how much you like the show because it helps us more than you could possibly ever know, and it costs you absolutely nothing. We have a very very busy show. I'm confident about this one. If you weren't sure if you were going to write a good review, then go ahead, listen to this week's episode, then write your review. Let's start this week's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Happy 2018! The future is upon us. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It's the first episode of 2018. One of what will be at least 52 episodes in this year of 2018. Thank you all for being a part of the show uh, again. I was really happy with how 2017 turned out. I always love doing those uh, year-in-review podcasts, especially with a guy like Wade Keller. He makes it really, really easy, and really appreciate it. Wade sent me a screenshot of how the show was doing on the iTunes uh, rankings uh, about midweek, and I don't always look at that stuff, but uh, you guys were really, really supportive of the show with Wade last week, so I, uh, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate when you guys do stuff like that. Uh, of course, I've started posting full podcasts in their audio form over on the YouTube page, youtube.com slash notsam. So if that's an easier way for you to listen to these shows, especially in long form, then go right ahead, go over there and listen to them there. If YouTube is just a place where you like to go to get videos, then you can watch videos of so many of the interviews that we do. One that was just posted was one that I teased last week. I told you it would be ready for 2018 and it is my interview with Bobby Roode, now up on the YouTube page. You can see for yourselves the moment when Rusev interviewed us to say, I'm all the way up. And if you look really closely, you can, you can make out the body of the most charismatic Bulgarian in all of WWE. The man who created Rusev Day. Rusev! You can see him uh, uh, behind the curtain. It's actually really, really funny. So check that out over on the YouTube page. You can also check out some of the other stuff that I'm doing over there, like uh, Sam Roberts Now, which is the show that we do when we want to do it. And by we, I mean I. Uh, out of the Not Sam studio, it's just kind of a general interest show, not really a wrestling show. But check it out if that's something that you're interested in. Um, a bunch to talk about this week. 
timing is a little weird. I didn't want to delay the show at all um, and put it out a day later because, you know, I would have liked to have seen Wrestle Kingdom before this show comes out and give you my thoughts on it. However, uh, as of this recording, Wrestle Kingdom hasn't happened yet, and by the time Wrestle Kingdom is over, this show will already be out. So maybe, and you tell me, you tweet me after Wrestle Kingdom, and you tell me if I need to turn on the Not Sam Studios and do uh, a bonus state of wrestling show just based on on Wrestle Kingdom after Wrestle Kingdom. Don't bother telling me before you watch it. But once you watch it, if you think I need to to make an addendum to this week's episode, then uh, let me know. Tweet me at NotSam and Facebook message me at NotSam. Do the whole deal. This week on the show, we, of course, will go over what I believe are the top five stories in the world of pro wrestling over in the state of wrestling. I want to talk about in the bridge segment, so right after this interview... Don't skip any of it because I want to talk about uh, one of uh, a big change happening in the world of wrestling podcasts. It's not this podcast that's changing, but one of the other big ones is changing uh, formats. And I think it's newsworthy enough that we should be covering it here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. So we will. That'll be in the bridge segment. But before we get to the bridge, the bridge is there to bring us uh, from this place to the state of wrestling. What's this place, you ask? Our interview segment. Uh, I personally felt like uh, we did a lot of great interviews in 2017. I heard from a lot of you guys um, that had a lot of different opinions on who your favorite guests were. But I think that Pete Gass surprised a lot of people last year. And I think it kind of uh, started, uh, and I don't want to pat myself on the back too much, but I think a lot, of the, a lot of that started here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast and then built. Uh, this was really the first wrestling podcast he had done, to my knowledge, um, and then it started to build throughout the year as interest in his book picked up and he started jumping on other podcasts. And I just, I loved it. I was so happy to see it because he's one of those guys whose name probably gets lost in the shuffle too often for uh, as, as much as he did and as much as he's got to say that's entertaining. So I decided to invite Pete Gass back into the Not Sam studio for uh, a revisit. You know, to touch on a lot of stuff that we had not yet touched on um, in that first interview that we did several months ago. So this is less of a, you know, tell me your history, because we went through all that. If you want to hear the other Pete Gass interview, that's available in the archives of this podcast or on the YouTube channel. You can watch the video. Uh, right now, I want to talk to Pete Gass about uh, just some of the stories that we didn't get to last time, some of the stories that went down uh, during his prime in the WWE, during the WWF Attitude Era. I want to talk about his thoughts on Shane McMahon and whether it will be Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan wrestling again. And we'll talk about that in the state of wrestling as well. But I think Pete Gass is a cool guy to talk to about that because the guy knows Shane. So this week, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast proudly presents my guest, from the Mean Street Posse, straight, straight. And by the and and before I get to it, don't forget to pick up his book. Pete Gass has an amazing book out right now. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it anywhere books are sold. Um, and it's just about it's it's straight to the wrestling. It's just about his journey in the WWE, and it really is an amazing read. So check it out. And if you don't believe me, listen to this interview. My guest this week from the Mean Street Posse, all the way from the mean streets of Greenwich in. To the Not Sam Studio, ladies and gentlemen, this is Pete Guess. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast Interview. 
Well, this is incredible and only fitting. I was thinking about it, and like I was thinking about my my favorite interviews that I've done. I guess recently was the first interview we did. That was in 2017, right? Or was that? It was. It was yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. So I was thinking about my favorite things we did in 2017, uh, or I did, and your interview, the Pete Gas interview from Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, popped in my head for a couple reasons. I okay. think because. The feedback that I got on it was the same as me, and I think the same that you kind of had, where it was like we didn't really know what it was going to be until we right. started talking, and it turned into like, you know, I, I think people underestimate how many great stories are just in your head, and I don't think people realize, they're like, oh, right. P.K.S., I hadn't really thought about that, and then they listen right. to the interview, and so like... I think because it was a surprise and it ended up just being a great interview that I thought about it, and also because I feel like after we talked... You were like, oh, that was fun, and started putting, you know, the olive branches out to some other shows, and yeah. like I was super happy, right? Because I feel like after you did this podcast, there was like this whole resurgence of oh, no doubt of Pete Gas, right. you know, nostalgia, right? In, mean, in people... 2017, which I thought was great. So I thought the first uh, uh, interview for 2018 should be Pete Gas. So welcome, buddy. Thank you very much. Welcome. Am I right though? Did you feel like uh, like in the last year there was like this kind of Burst, which is everything you want when you're putting out a book. Right. This right. burst of like Pete Gas nostalgia. Oh, no question. I mean, this show is so popular, and it's a credit to you. Um, well, I mean, I'll put you over a little bit. It, 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 <laughs> I'm not the one coming I, in I here put with stories. Over. Yeah. You know, I've been doing that for years. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, we got a lot of feedback. Yeah. A lot of positive feedback, which was phenomenal. I mean, that was, uh, I mean, you heard it on, on social media because they, they put it both, they tagged both of us on it and, yeah, it was it was great. And then I love seeing all the positive feedback you're getting all over the place. You did a X Pac show. Yeah. You did Edge and Christian show. Yeah. Is it amazing to you that like podcasts? I think have made it because you know we and we talked about this the first time you were on that you and I met years and years and years ago. Yeah. Um. And so I feel a little bit of it, but even more so with you going on shows like X Pac show and Edge and Christian show that the podcast world has made it so that these guys that you know, you were cool with back then that maybe you'd never talk to again. Now you've got this great excuse to kind of sit down and talk to him for like an hour about wrestling that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I get to see those guys when I do when I do signings for my book and we do you know appearances and stuff. And then Edge and Christian had me on their on their show. Yeah, you know, the, on, on the on the WWE Network show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally reeked of awesome. <laughs> Hopefully, there'll be another season someday. And. uh but yeah, it was just, you know, to get to see those guys and then, you know, they know the story behind what Rodney and I had to go through and, and everything. And, you know, they know there's a story out there. Yeah. And that's, that was the best part. You know, just, you get to go to those signings and you see these guys that you hadn't seen in a while. It's like a class reunion. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I would probably do it for a lot less money. You know? <laughs> it, just to get to see those guys again. And, yeah. You know, like you go to WrestleMania, you, you, you know, that week you, you see guys at WrestleCon or, you know. At, at the shows or wherever you go, you know, your hotel lobbies or whatever. And that's always so much fun, you know. So have you found that, like, because obviously generations change and it's like now whenever you go backstage at a show, there's going to be less and less faces that you know, right? Because, yeah. you know, stuff changes. But I feel like this generation that is there in WWE right now all grew up fans right. during the Attitude Era. So have you been approached by guys that, like, you might not... Yeah, you know that you didn't work yeah, with that are really sitting there cool. going like, "Dude, PKS, I grew uh, up with," like New Day. 
Really? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like Xavier Woods. I'll uh-huh. never. We were in Dallas when we went to see Shane uh, wrestle Taker, and at, we went to the after party, and you know Xavier Woods, he he popped when he saw me, and <laughs> you know he was hanging out with Jericho, so I went over to say hi to you know, just to go see Jericho and everything. But then Xavier, you know, I was I'm a fan of the New Day, right? And you know, for to have them feel the same way about the Mean Street Posse was awesome. I yeah, mean, it just you know. That's really cool. And it's so, yeah, and you realize that maybe the Mean Street Posse had some influence over that, right? Because New Day obviously is operating as themselves. Like a yeah. lot of what they do, they're just doing what they do as people heightened. So right. you have to believe that if they grew up as Mean Street Posse fans, some of the entertainment aspect of what the Mean Street Posse was is going into the entertainment aspect of what the New Day is, right? Right, right. Yeah, it's, I mean, you, you look back and for them to go and make that, you know, come back and say something to me about how much they enjoyed it yeah and then, you know obviously i'm saying the same to them so it was like it, it just it's pretty flattering yeah you know? yeah so you 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 are st- what do you think you know before we get into you okay my theory going in right now because you're still you still watch pretty regularly right yeah, every week right yeah. so as much as as wwe and everybody says that daniel bryan is not coming back I really firmly believe that in 2018, Shane and Brian are going to have a match. Don't right? you want that, though? Of course. Of course. <laughs> and I feel, and I almost feel, I mean, that's probably why, right? Like, yeah. because they're making us so hungry for it. I'm like, there's no way they'd be making me this hungry for it only to disappoint me. Two so stiff guys. Like, we know, we know from the last show yeah. that you have no idea because... All Shane does is kayfabe you anyway. Oh, you know, he does. Absolutely. He didn't tell you when he was yeah, he returning. And he wouldn't tell me. No, he, he wouldn't. wouldn't. No. Do you think that we're going to see that match in WWE? As a fan, I'm asking you, not as, as a like fan, a... As a well-educated fan, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to see it. You do? Yeah, I do think You think that we'll, we will see, and it'll be in a WWE ring? Oh, yeah. 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 Well, because they say, they well, be? because they say, you know, I, I guess Shane, but they say yeah. that Daniel has said, like, I'm going to come back to wrestling. Hey, Lila. Yeah. He, <laughs> Brian said he's coming back to wrestle. If it's not in WWE, it'll be somewhere else. That's kind of been his line for like a year now, which is, but I, I'm sitting there going, even yeah. that line leads me to believe that WWE is going, that's, no, that's not happening. He's not going to wrestle Shane if it's not in a WWE ring. Right, right. That's know? true. Yeah. So. Yeah, I. Uh, but you're, you'd, you'd be excited about seeing that, of course. Yeah. Well, I've known I've known Daniel since he was 19 years old. Where'd you meet him? So when we got sent to Memphis, mm-hmm. um, we were there for about a month or so, and then four guys from Shawn Michaels' school came in, and it was Daniel Bryan, right? Lance Cade, Brian Kendrick, and <sighs> then another guy, uh, Shooter Schultz, who was uh, he was really good too, and the four of them were taught by Shawn to be stiff. Really? Oh, yeah, because, and they were told, make sure you, no, no, that's fine. No, I know, Lila's just, <laughs> you're, you're sitting there trying to tell your stories, no, and Lila Garrity. I can do two, two things. You're right. Um, but anyway, yeah, they were told, They Sean taught them, no matter how, how much your opponent bitches and moans, mm-hmm. continue to be stiff. <laughs> you can just Give him some of that SummerSlam yeah. 96, stomp on Vader's face oh, yeah, stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And he was, and he was adamant about it, and sure enough, they they always were, and I remember when these four guys showed up. I was like, I remember working Daniel. He was American Dragon, in, right? In, uh, was he wearing in the mask and the, the mask and everything? With the, yeah. the blue and the blue and red mask or yep. something? Yeah, yeah. And he uh, and those guys were like way advanced. Mm-hmm. You know, they came out of that school. You know, they were they were home, you know, eighteen, nineteen years old, and they were you know like when we were watching sports or 
going out with our girlfriends, whatever. They were home watching Japanese wrestling, like tapes. Tape traders, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. constantly. You know, that, that they lived and breathed the sport. Yeah. So they were... Uh, and they looked at it as a sport, not like as yeah. in, like, this is entertainment that we get drunk and watch. Like, oh, yeah. It's a sport. And then they would see a move, and then they would be, like, doing it to each other, on, you know, like, in the living room of their home. Right. You know, where their, their apartment where they were staying. You right. Know? And, uh, yeah, it was... I mean... They're really, it's pretty cool. We had a nice group down there in Memphis. Did you, so so when you get, start interacting with stuff like that, because, you know, we talked last time about how guys were stiff with you, but you would almost welcome it. You were such a person who respected the business. Yeah. That you, you welcomed being hit hard because you, like, wanted to show the guys that you respected it, that you weren't, you were taking it seriously. And, and Absolutely. At any point, did you decide, well, I need to start working stiff so people know I'm not just... Mean Street Posse, Shane's friend, P. Gas. I'm an actual worker. Not, I mean, if I got really, if I got a potato, mm-hmm. you have to give a receipt. Because if you don't give a receipt, then you're going to get taken advantage. You're going to get eaten up in the ring constantly. Did you know that right away, or did it take a couple of times before? Uh, it was kind of a combination of both. Right. I mean, I kind of knew about it, but I didn't know when to pull the trigger on it. And then it because because you say that right, but if you're yeah. a rookie and like. JBL is laying into you you might not even be taking JBL like that might not really be JBL laying into you it just hurts you start swinging back early right and you're not now it's all of a sudden whoa the attitude on this kid well that's a funny thing so I have a good story about that I did a signing uh, over the summertime down in New Jersey Mm -hmm. and it was myself Kevin Thorne and Bob Holly Mm -hmm. and I thought this was I love this story. I actually get, well, you can see the goosebumps. I see him. There's goosebumps. Yeah. I get so fired up. I get so passionate about this stuff. So we did the signing. I go to leave. I put the books I didn't, I didn't sell in the car. I came back to. Only a very few, by the way. Only a few. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I go back in and to say my goodbyes. And uh, as I'm walking away, Bob grabs my wrist and he goes, I want to talk to you. So I said, yeah, Bob, what's up? And he goes, I want to tell you something. Can I swear? Sure. All right. He goes, you are one tough son of a bitch. And I just laughed. You know, I thought it was funny. And he goes, uh, I said, why? You know, he said, I don't know if you know this. He goes, but we used to talk about you and Rodney when you guys weren't around in the locker room. And we used to see who could break you guys. <laughs> like, yeah. So these conversations actually happening. These it's not even place. like it's like this sort of in the back of my mind. Oh, yeah, I guess I was trying to break you. It was no tonight. No. We're going to try to break the posse again. Yeah. Like they saw who was on the card. Mm-hmm. And they, so it was Bob Holly. And he and he said, he goes, we used to see who could break you guys, who would make you guys bitch and moan. Mm-hmm. Literally, like start a fist fight, whatever the case was. And um, he said. Pete, he goes, we went out to the ring, and he goes, I hit you with everything I have. <laughs> I swear to God he said this. If you ever have him on, you got to ask him. I will. This. So he said, he goes, I, he goes, I hit you with so many things. And he goes, he goes I, was, I was hitting you for real. He goes, we get backstage. He goes, you're smiling. You're laughing. <laughs> and he goes, I couldn't break you. Yeah. And he goes, then I got to go in the locker room, and I got to get my balls busted by JBL because I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't, couldn't you know, get it done. Yeah, and it was going – and it was – in the guys, it was uh, Benoit. Mm-hmm. It was uh, JBL, obviously. Um, Holly. Bob Holly. Yeah. Like, there was a whole crew of guys that used to literally try to break us and just see what we could do just to see how we were. But he said to me – he goes, that day, he goes, 
you totally earned my respect. He goes, he goes, cause I hit you with everything I could. He goes, and you just said, you, you came back laughing, big smile and thanking me. So what's the, what's the difference then between like, uh, okay, taking punishment and earning respect versus taking punishment and being like, okay, we can pound on this kid all we want. Cause they're right. There's two different ways that ends up. Like you take everything Bob Holly's got and either it's going to be like, okay, this kid's tough or it's going to be, okay, this is our punching bag now. Cause right. The, the difference I think is is that I didn't like I I liked it. You're not complaining back, about it. You didn't no. come back like oh. If you if you show any and I oh, and I said this to, uh, thank you because you just reminded me part of it. He goes. I said to Bob. I said Bob. Truth is, it didn't hurt. I'm being honest. Not that I'm downplaying what you do. Right. I said, but I grew up with two older brothers. And he used to beat the hell out of me. They did. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, it, and I and if they and if I said something, uh-huh. they would do it more. Right. And I learned at a young age, if you bitch and moan, or if you go tattle on them, or, or whatever, you're only gonna get your ass kicked more. You know, it's really interesting because this has been a <coughs> philosophy of mine, and I've actually tried to explain the premise to people outside of wrestling completely, like just as a life philosophy. I feel like. In any business, I feel like it would probably work in prison. I feel like wherever you go, the idea of baby facing and no selling is all you need in life. Right. Like I feel like like what you're talking about right now is you no sold, not by not no, I'm not talking about in the ring. I'm talking about when you get back, you no sell by not complaining, not looking pained, not and then you babyface by still being Bob Holly's friend after all this. Same thing. And, and and if you do those two things in anywhere in life, right. wrestling or otherwise, I feel like you'll probably succeed. Right. So I another so when I was in, in the early 90s, I was a mailman, which is funny because I was a mailman on Edge and Christian show. <laughs> so I knew how to do it. Which by the way, you know, had you actually gone to the WWE under conventional standards, Right, you would have been the mailman. The mailman, right? That's, right. that's how it would have gone. So I, uh, when I when I was a mailman, I know why people go postal. Mm-hmm. There's a total reason why people go postal. Why? Because it's the same crap every day. You're you're sorting your mail, and it's and those guys in there they they find the weak link, and they just break the guy's balls in the post office. Post office. <laughs> that's great. I've seen See, it. You know, and it's amazing because everybody goes like, oh, bullying and wrestling and this has to stop. Right. And you're here to say, it's everywhere. It's the post office. And if and I said to, I, I, there was one guy, like every day he was pulling one of the guys in to meet with the postmaster and the shop union guy and all that. And he would complain. And finally one day, I mean, because I, under, like I said, I understood from being a, a kid, getting yeah. my ass kicked. I said, if you don't show that it bothers you, they're going to leave you alone. Right. And he didn't get it. And he got his balls busted. <laughs> he just wouldn't believe Those you. are the guys that come back with guns and shoot everybody. Right. And that's that was... And it's like you want to tell them, like, we fuck yeah. with everybody. If you would just right. calm down from the beginning, right. we wouldn't have kept pushing until you came in here with a gun. So no offense to any of the mailmen out there. Right. But I know what you're going through. And... I understand how it works, and it's monotonous, man. It, it really is. It's brutal. Well, that's one of the that that's where it happens, right? Where you when you're on one of those tracks, they're just monotonous, and it's the same thing every day. Mm-hmm. Some personality types, the only thing that you have to keep you from going insane, right? It's just bust balls, right? Right? Because right. It, otherwise, it's the same thing every day. You need some kind of emotion, right, to be shown, and it's got to be somebody else's frustration, maybe. Yep. And I would just sit there. I put my mail. I'd la- I'd listen and just laugh, right. 
It's a show for you. As simple as what station the radio was on, and they would just give the guy grief. <laughs> <laughs> like, but every time he'd be like, "What do you, what oh, do you mean? Wait. Unbelievable! It'd be great. Yeah. That's so funny." <laughs> so, uh, when did you start? Was it was there ever an, uh, ever an issue where you're like, "I gotta, I gotta swing back here. I gotta hit back." Because obviously, in that scenario with with Holly, you didn't hit back hard, or did you? Yeah, I mean, we we got our uh, we got our licks in. And uh, at WrestleMania 2000, mm-hmm. and the, that was in the that was the multi-person hardcore match, right? right? Yeah, right. And there, everyone was beating everybody for real. Yeah, and before yeah. before we, when we first were going over the match and and who was doing what and when what spots, I remember JBL was like, "Listen, guys, this is WrestleMania." He goes, "Lay it in." He goes, "Say your sorries backstage afterwards," and we did. I mean, guys were we were swinging things at each other. And it was there was no joke. Well, I mean, it was, it's one of those things too in a multi-person hardcore match like that where you've got limited time, you got multiple pinfalls. Yep. It's real easy for that not to be taken seriously. Yep. If you don't lay that in, then it's just like a sideshow grown men playing, right? right. You've got to do something right. to make people believe there's some kind of threat of danger. And to be honest with you, I, I guarantee I had a concussion. I had a crimson mask. I had blood pouring from my head because Viscera hit me with one of those box fans, <laughs> and he tore my. He tore uh, my head. That box fan. I don't know who put that thing in. But yeah. He tore me open. Me open. Crash Holly. I want to say Thrasher. I, I forgot who. There was. I. I, I wanted to say there was at least th- three or four guys that thing busted open. But Viscera hit me. I remember going down, and I'm on the canvas. And if you go back and watch after Viscera hits me, you could see a hand reach over and point at me. And I remember feeling this. Um, I thought it was sweat yeah. coming down right down my face. And the guy, guy in the front row who's pointing says, Pete Gas is bleeding. So now I look down because I'm on I'm on my stomach. I look down and about the size of this this thing, about six inches in diameter, I had a puddle of blood. Do you start freaking out the first time that happens? Hell no. You don't. Because you're all adrenaline done. Yeah. So what I did was I, I tried pushing more out. That's so smart. Yes. Because you got to get the effect. Of course. Right? So What's I, the point of bleeding if it doesn't look right, good on TV? You got to get the juice. Yeah. Yes. So if it's there, you got, I got it the hard way. I'm like, I got to keep going with it. Yeah. So I literally try to push it all, as much out as I could. You yeah, because I guess even if you weren't supposed to blade, you're not going to get in trouble for blading. Uh-uh. You got hit in the head with no. a box fan. This stuff happens. So I'm pushing that thing out, and then uh, we just kept going. And I remember the blood was in my eyes, and the and the fight went out, went into the back. Mm-hmm. And then Rodney won the belt. Joey Abs beat Rodney. Thrasher beat Joey Abs. Uh-huh. I remember that was my spot. I was coming back out to beat Thrasher. And I was going to spray him with the fire extinguisher, but I couldn't see and I couldn't tell if it was Mosh or Thrasher that went by me. <laughs> Just a guy in a skirt. I don't know yeah. who it is. So I said, oh, man. I was, and I was, if you listen close as we're going through the curtain to go back out to the crowd, uh-huh. I said, is this it? Because <laughs> I couldn't see. I couldn't see. Then we, when we get out there, I'm like trying to, I'm getting, trying to get the blood out of my eyes. We get over, and I see the fire extinguisher, and I'm like, oh, watch, this thing's not going to work. I'm thinking in my head, like, you know. Yeah. So I get I get the pin out, and I sprayed him, and I hit it, hit him over the head with it. And it was great, because as I hit him over the head, it sprayed again. Right. And and all of a sudden, I go for the cover, and then, then reality hit. You're at WrestleMania, and you're about to lose the belt, but you won the belt. You just won it. That's So Timmy White grabs my wrist, and you... And I let out this, like, it just hit me all at once as he's raising my hand. I was like, that's awesome, man. Yeah. No one will ever take that from me. So you just go, yeah. Like, yeah, you just, I just like, I came back and just screamed. And then all of a sudden, Taz hits me. 
But you had your moment though. I had my moment. That was the one that, that, was that, that one moment. No one will ever take that from you. You won a championship yep. as you're just bleeding. Good that, juice. That you're, yeah, Good yeah. Juice. That's so funny. But yeah. so yeah, I mean I always looked at those matches. Like those matches must be more difficult than even like like when I was a kid and I first started, you know, kind of figuring out how wrestling sort of works. You know, you think you know how it works when you're a kid and you, yeah. it, you're totally wrong. Right. But when you realize like, okay, there's some choreography going on here. Um I would look at like big battle royals and just be dumbfounded at like how people remembered like he goes out there and it went right. and blah blah blah. But I think back now on those hardcore matches and like what you're describing to me, and I can't believe because obviously, like you said, there's a plan in action here. It's not just like we're randomly passing the thing around. Like this person wins and then this person wins right. and then this person wins and everybody's kind of got to remember their spots right. while they're getting hit in the head with box fans by viscera. Right. That's, that's like... And in between, it's like you're just ad-libbing all the other stuff in between. You're just right. But keeping one eye on what's going on over what's here on. so I know what right. point in the match I'm at. Right. Like, that's that's got to be... Cool. Uh, yeah. But, cool. And at Mania. At so. Mania. Right. Like that's that, so at that point, does your adrenaline just fully take over your entire body? Oh, meaning yeah. like, I'm not it? even like... One does in it. That's it. When you're out there, no matter what. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. You, nothing hurts. So does that mean that uh, in terms of the actual art of wrestling and figuring out, like, how to perform your moves, when to perform your moves, when the finish is coming, like, the pacing of the whole thing, does that kind of just become muscle memory? Because yeah, but, it's just like adrenaline, and I know how to do this, and let's just go. Yeah, and then you get to the Triple H taker level. Right. Ah. Which is... Dude. You have no idea. Like, you talk about goosebumps. Yeah. I can't even imagine that, especially Triple H taker level. Like, put in your head, three quarters of the way in, these guys know they're having one of the best matches of all time. Right. Like, in my head, I'd be like, I'd be so worried about screwing it up in the last quarter of the match. But I guess that, right. that that's why those guys are, are who those guys are, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. I mean, and I know that, you know, t taker would allow the feel of the crowd, you know, and, mm -hmm. and he would base that on what they were doing next and Taker would call everything out and, and you know certain spots they had you know planned but everything else was uh, feel from Taker on the crowd on how to get the crowd on that roller coaster ride of getting up and down you and know? you just follow him yeah and then with Triple H I mean that's one of the things I've really always wanted it was to just be able to work with him at some point I mean we we worked with him but never against him right and I've always heard some of the greatest compliments about him you know you, know, you marvel at what type of worker he is and for people i mean they have no idea it's just it's they said the, he is the easiest person to work and it looks like you're in a drag out brawl is that a frustrating thing like uh inside of wrestling to have a skill set like for instance like we're talking about with triple h where the average fan Really, like, we all know how that Triple H is good, but there are certain skill sets that the average fan has zero appreciation for because yeah. nobody, because if you haven't been in the we ring, you can't possibly right. know that or know how important it is. Is that a, do you, do you think that that's a frustrating thing or is that just like, no, this part of it is my peers know that I have this, so. I think it's more important than peers. Yeah, that's yeah. what that part's about. Yeah, because, I mean, he's doing his job. I mean, what he's doing for work, I mean, that's. He's heads and you know he's just way above everybody else. Yeah, you know, and like I so uh, one of the signings I did recently, um, Maven. Mm -hmm. 
he and I got to talking a lot and uh which is probably you guys probably have a lot in common in terms of how you came in yeah because it was both like you know you you both came in probably the worst way humanly possible in terms of being accepted by the locker room right ours was a lot worse than than even worse than tough enough oh yeah Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. At least yeah. he earned it, you know? right? I and mean, we we were there, you know. We got an opportunity. We made the most of that opportunity, right? And if we didn't, we would have been gone after a couple of weeks. But but um, you were all, that's I guess that's true. I mean, he yeah. came from a reality show, but at right. least he won it. Like but you were yeah. just Shane, you were just Shane's friends, right? Right. And it was something that we were, you know, we got an opportunity through Shane, but because of the reaction of the crowd, and then eventually the hard work, that's what kept us around, right? You know, and I think the the ratings against Briscoe and Patterson being the highest rated Right, that's segment, what you're talking about. I think that's what kept us there. So what were you saying about Maven? So Maven and I were talking about just the business in general and and, uh, and life and work and stuff, and Triple H came up, and he was talking about, and he raved. And, like, you're, like you're listening, and the people at home are watching this or listening to it, and, uh, you know, they're interested because of, you know, the content. That's how I was. I mean, I was like, I was like, like, literally at the edge of my seat. Yeah, talking to just him. Just tell me what it's like working with, and he with was, Triple H. And he just said how you know they did a match and how it went. Uh, he actually said, it. I had, I went back and watched. It was a Monday night, Monday night Raw match, and they they went on for a good good amount of time. I don't remember the exact time. And he said, he said he never got winded, and they and how they worked, and he knew like Triple H knew when to turn it on and when to back, you know, to down, you know, throttle down, and and he, you know, they never blew up and got tired and stuff. And oh, so Triple H not only in his own conditioning, but he actually knew how to pace the match, yeah, so that nobody involved got right, blown up. Right, that's and next level. Th- it's no, that's I mean that's yeah the level. Right, you know what I'm saying. I mean, that's just you go. It's one thing to watch a guy not get blown up. It's another thing for a guy to know how to not let his opponent get blown oh, up. Oh yeah, like that's crazy. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, we had we got to work with him and interacted with him. Like he called me a buckethead once. It's on TV. I think it's funny. I laugh every time. Anytime that that video comes across, someone sends it to me or something, I laugh every single time because I think it's just funny. And when he says that, I have a buckethead. When I that, I mean, and that gets ad libbed when he's on TV. Yeah. So when he says that, do you have to bite your tongue so you're not laughing? And then as soon as this, this, as soon as it's like cut, I can start laughing, you know. But um, I have a bucket head. I understand that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Easy. It's just the, no, 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 no. I'm just agreeing with Triple H, right? He's a uh, genius. Yeah, that's okay. all. That's genius, all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah that's genius. Right. That's all. Um, so so uh, how long did it take? Well, no, that's what I was going to ask you. What? Did, how did the Undertaker uh, take to the posse? It, good. I mean, we, he's, uh, you know, he's looked at as a god there. Right. You know, he was. Because I would, I, I, in my head, and again, and you're here to correct me because I'm just making this up, but you've got your, you guys you were talking about a minute ago, which is JBL and Bob Holly and Benoit, yeah. and those guys are here. And I feel like over them is kind of the overseer, and that's the undertaker. Yeah. Right. He's the daddy. Right. Yeah, he's the, he's the big dog. Right. You know. He, it's his yard. And so do you, what you say. do you go in there and being like, okay, I'm getting a feel for what this is like. Does Shane smarten you guys up to what politics in the locker room are? Like, hey, stay away from this guy, this no, guy you should know, no, or he no. just goes like sink or swim? Somewhat sink or swim. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had to, you know, we knew just from knowing Shane and knowing the business kind of before mm-hmm. we got in, 
you got there, you shake everyone's hand. Mm-hmm. You know, there's certain rules and, you know, you shake everyone's hand when you get there, you shake everyone's hand, everyone's hand when you leave. And that, that's the way it, I don't know what it's like now, but that's the way it is. That will, That's the way it was back then, mm-hmm. old school. And, um, you know, you, that respect thing, you, you show it, or you're not going to, you're not going to last too long. Right. You know, um, but yeah, we just, you know, as far as Taker goes, I mean, he was always there. He was always helpful. Mm-hmm. He was, and you know, I played dominoes. It was the Godfather and I versus Undertaker and Kane, and then Rikishi and and Prince Albert. They were a team, and we would just play for hours. Really? After lunch, you yeah. you got to you got oh, to play man. dominoes with that crew. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. So it started. It started by me watching because mm-hmm. I was always you know I, I always loved numbers and dominoes and stuff like that. So I used to always watch and. And then I filled in because someone had to go do a pre-tape and they needed someone to stand in and I filled in as Godfather's partner. And then, then I became like the, I'm the, I was the guy that was designated to go out to hold the dominoes, which I still have the same pair of dominoes. Uh, the same set, right? Yeah, 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 of course. And uh, I still have them. They were Godfathers and I, I have them and I, every time I see them, I kind of smile. I mean, that's one of those, those, those amazing things because... Yeah, I mean, just because that's that's what you kind of as as folklore, you know, goes through what it goes through. You're yeah. like, yeah, that's you know, the Undertaker and his crew, and yeah. they like playing dominoes. Dumb. I just had, I I don't think that anybody up until right now would have assumed that Pete Gas was one of the right. uh, was one of the dominoes Domino. guys right. hanging out, you know, with uh, with the Samoans <laughs> and with the Undertaker right. and with right. the Godfather. Yeah, but then you know, like there was times where I, I, you know we're playing dominoes, and I'm thinking to myself like, how great is this? Right, you know, because I am a fan and I have been forever, and then. So we'd be playing, and there was one game, one in the sto- one of the stories in the book. I tell about a di- one particular dominoes game, mm-hmm. and um, so Kane would sit here, and Taker was here, so it went clockwise, and yeah, you know, we were playing. Uh, and so every time Kane threw a domino in this one p- specific game, I was scoring points off him. And Taker was all he was doing was fueling the fire on Kane, and he and he would say stuff and just like get on him he was getting on him and just getting well like don't let this guy be like what are you doing what are you doing (laughs) letting a rich kid do this you know i was rich even though i had no money in my pocket right you're from greenwich and you're playing with a bunch of rednecks like that's not yeah uh, he's like you let this kid from greenwich do this (laughs) and so yeah i'm scoring off him i'm scoring and and papa godfather is just uh he's just feeding me you know he's helping me you know so we're getting close. We're love that. Love that they call him Papa. By the way, yeah, that's, that's Papa Shango's Papa awesome. Yeah, of course. So, uh, so anyway, so we're scoring. I'm scoring off him, scoring off him, and we're but we're blowing him out. Yeah. Kane goes and he has the dominoes in his hands, and he looks at me and he goes, "If you score on me again, <laughs> he goes, I will chase you. I, I'll be. I'm going to beat your ass." And so, does he say this with a wink and a smirk? Or hell no. <laughs> okay, good. There's no way. <laughs> so. <laughs> He puts his domino down, and I'm holding my dominoes, and I'm looking at him, and I look over at Papa, and I just keep... St- I'm looking at dominoes. I'm looking at Papa. Taker knows. Taker knows. <laughs> and I see just... He knows. <laughs> and I went, and I'm looking, and I'm just delaying it, right? So finally, I went, and I, I wound up. And no. I slammed it, and I said, domino, mother effer. Yeah. 
and I ran. <laughs> <laughs> I took off. Boom, I was gone. He chased me. He did. We went upstairs, downstairs, <laughs> running around the arena. And he he wouldn't and I'm laughing because I'm thinking like, all right, he's gonna stop eventually. Right. He wouldn't stop. <laughs> and he caught me. And what did he do? He pounded me. <laughs> I was like, oh man! I was like, and he's punching me in the arm, and I'm like, ah, all right, you yeah, know. Like, yeah. It was fun, though, man. We—that's the part you miss the most—is the camaraderie. Yeah, you know? and it was so much fun. I mean, especially as a guy who's a fan. Yeah. Right. Like, how did, are you a guy who's good at keeping your your fan part of you in check? Meaning, like, yeah, yeah. right right away you get there and you can be cool because there are guys that like you know they could show up in the same scenario as you as a fan. And like, kind of lose their mind because there's not there, that that's another faux pas for sure. You're yeah. not gonna hang out no, with no, no. anybody. You don't mark out, right? Yeah, right. No, I mean it's don't get me wrong. I, it's uh, it was more of an honor to be with those guys and to get to know them. Absolutely, you know, who they are. Um, well, yeah, but, and 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 their their place in the business. Not necessarily being a fan of them, like oh, you know, who my favorite match was, but their their places in the wrestling business and what they've contributed to it and that that side of it which is way different than right i'm a fan of this guy it's right. like you know what they've accomplished right stuff like that right. and that's that's huge right you know right but um you know i'm a more of a fan of them as people right and who they are right you know that's that the type of guy that'll kick your ass if you score on a dominoes <laughs> too many times yeah but i mean they just you know i mean don't get me wrong i was a fan of theirs before and a fan of theirs even more so now just because i know who they are you yeah know? but how long did it take you to be familiar on that level with those guys because it seems like i think like, i was i was i was okay with it i was okay with it from the beginning that's amazing no but you gotta understand too and like do you, we it, were around them because shane yeah right so like i i did a cover with the undertaker for christmas mm -hmm. back in 1998 mm-hmm I played Santa Claus, and Undertaker hovered over me with a tattoo. He tattooed Santa's ass, and it, I was Santa Claus. And I was was that for the merchandise catalog? Yes. And you're Santa Claus. I'm Santa Claus. Somebody's gonna find that merchandise yeah. catalog now and tweet it to you because I remember, like, I vaguely oh, I had to shave my ass. And remember I, the cover? That's your ass. It's though. my ass. I shaved it right before I went <laughs> and, down to New Jersey to take the photo shoot. I so, swear to God. So how does Shane? Does Shane call you up and be like, "Gas"? No, like, that was a. Uh, that was guys I uh, I grew up with that uh -huh. worked in in that department of uh, what was it called? Uh, create creative, not creative. Uh, they, creative they did, services. No, they did like the t-shirts and the merch. Sure, sure. All the merch now it's just like merchandising, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So they they were the ones that made all the designs and stuff. They needed someone to play Santa Claus, and I remember we did the photo shoot, but we didn't do it like in a, a side room. Uh huh. We did it in front of everyone. It's like, <laughs> there I am just sitting there with my ass hanging out and, and Taker standing over it. And, so, uh, like, you're kind of known as a guy who's a good sport. It's just going to, like, who's yeah, a whatever. fun dude. Yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to – I mean, that's great. That's, yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a good reputation to have. So, I guess that's, that's what I'm wondering. Do Shane and the guys in that department, do people in the WWE just kind of before you get there know you as a guy who's, like – Ah, uh, because you're young. Pete Gas is as fun as his kid. He'll do whatever. You, you don't care. Yeah, I mean, they, well, those like guys he are, he's he always wants to just do something. 
So we'll get him yeah. if we need it, if we need Santa to show his ass in a in a magazine. Yeah, well, people, those guys will do it. The guys that asked me knew I would do it because I grew up with those guys. Right, that's what I mean. Yeah, so they knew that. Like you I, grow up with enough yeah. with, with you know hands. This guy over here, that right. guy over here, that guy over here, and you start to yeah. earn a reputation. And they knew I never had a problem pulling my pants down. So I guess, <laughs> I, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything that now? Because you're a you're a you're a married guy now. Is there mm-hmm. anything that? Uh, that you show your wife is like, like this is this is this is cool. This is the thing that I did. And then maybe is there anything that you are like? Ah, don't don't worry about that part. Like, would you would you maybe avoid the Santa no. ass cheat catalog and no. and show her you look no, everything? Cares. Show yeah. her all of it. Doesn't matter. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> but it's funny because she didn't. Uh, she really didn't watch wrestling, and now she's hooked on it. Really? Oh yeah. Did so you bring she, her? Did you bring her back in the day and show her like the Mean Street Posse stuff? Yeah, she's she's seen some of it. Um, Probably most of it. Yeah. You know, I'm excited because I heard the network's going to have like Sunday Night Heat. They're going to start putting that stuff on the network. Man, I hope so. We were talking about that. Uh, we did a lot of stuff for them. Sunday yeah. Well, Sunday Night Heat, like we were talking about that on the podcast a couple weeks ago or something that there's like a handful of shows, like the syndicated shows from when we were kids, like WWF Superstars and WWF Challenge. Like I'd love yep. to see that. But in the Attitude Era, Sunday Night Heat was not a throwaway show. Like, no. there was just so much going on back then. Because awesome. you also think about it, and a lot of what happened on Heat was pre-SmackDown, right? Yeah. Like, you had Heat before you had SmackDown, I think. You had, uh, Jacked was before, well, we did Jacked before Raw. No, 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 I mean, and before then, SmackDown, did Heat exist before SmackDown? Existed? I want to, I don't remember exactly, but I, I know we used to shoot it before SmackDown. SmackDown. Right, okay. So we used to shoot it, and that was a show that we shot, and then we went into... But you just had so many guys and so much stuff going on mm-hmm. that Heat was full of, like, storylines and, and, yeah. and stuff. There wasn't it, there wasn't this notion of, like, oh, yeah, that's just this hour that we throw on on Sunday. That yeah. was on MTV. Like, that was a big oh, show. Yeah, yeah. And I remember we, we did a uh, one episode of Heat. It was all about us, Edge and Christian, and Matt and Jeff Hardy. And there were <laughs> vignettes throughout the entire thing. And the premise was is that um, Edge and Christian went and got their manager's licences, mm-hmm. which were blue. Mm-hmm. Which oh yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, and uh, well, they are well, blue. they are blue. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And uh, we um, and then so they got our, their license. And the premise was they were if we won, we challenged them in the very first segment. Matt and Jeff, we challenged them. We like I called Jeff Rainbow Head. <laughs> and we, we tried to piss Almost them. as good as Buckethead. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to get them to to put up their titles yeah. for a match. And then uh, Edge and Christian were going to help us win the match. So uh, throughout that episode, like they were training us. They were making Rodney ride the bike and doing all these right. things. It's, and, it's all coming back to me now. Yeah. And then we were, we, I, uh, I went and got them pretzels or, or, or sodas <laughs> or whatever. And they needed straws. And yeah, like we were doing all this stuff. from, And then they came out with us at the end mm-hmm. and uh we thought we won the match and we didn't they uh matt matt kind of turned it around and, and pinned rodney and they didn't have the right angle they told me as soon as they saw rodney go to cover to turn around to the crowd to celebrate yeah meanwhile matt reverses it so my i'm celebrating in the ring like we won <laughs> and behind me rodney's getting pinned by matt but you don't see it because they didn't have that angle right for the, for the for the episode right but it would it would have been funny I mean, but that's just cool episodic yeah. television right. like storytelling right. not, not even episode but as like the episode goes on like right. segment here's 
throw this segment on, then a match, then the continuing story over here, and right. then a match, and then that conclusion at the end. Like that's cool. Right. Like you don't even see you don't see that too often. Right. And the stipulation was is if Matt if uh, Edge and Christian helped us win, mm-hmm. we would give them a shot on Raw for the titles the following night. Right. So we kept people but, like, but that's amazing too. Cause like, you know, you talk about not being a throwaway show and not only is it not a throwaway show, but now you've got people watching heat going, Oh my God, I think the posse is going to win the tag titles tonight right. on heat from the help. Hardys. Yeah. Like that's, that's this right. mega event. That's, that's, that's hilarious. What was Rodney doing when you were doing stuff like uh playing dominoes with the undertaker and his crew? Like who's Rodney hanging Rodney, with? Rodney was uh, he was playing a lot of video games so, by himself, or, no, or no, did no. he have a crew too? There was a crew: Mark yeah. Henry, uh-huh. Stevie Richards. Uh-huh. They were the video game guys. Gotcha. And they would play. Uh, I remember college. Uh, I forgot the college football game was. Uh, uh, I forgot what the name was. Yeah. But I remember Mark Henry had to be. T- he went to Texas, mm-hmm. and he had to be Texas because Ricky Williams was a running back, and he would <laughs> he had to be, and he would kill everybody. <laughs> And uh, but they would play for hours, and they yeah. just, you know, and guys would just sit there and you know, it was like a frat house. So Rodney had had just as easy a time getting along with people as you did. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just yeah, it was just you know, it, it was the very beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, after when we came back after um, our little hiatus after the Briscoe Patterson sure thing, that's when they decided they were going to bring us back and give us the three one year contracts. Um, that's when people were kind of like, you know, what are these guys doing here? And that's when we really had to start paying our dues. Because now it's like, this isn't just a goof thing. These right. guys are actually going to work. Like, yeah. yeah. Right. So now it's like, you know, they're back. You know, yeah. Like, you know, they're taking airtime. And some guys didn't care because we weren't a threat to them because mm-hmm. they were over and they were doing, you know, but some guys didn't feel that way. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine, yeah, some of the lower, even mid-card guys that are like working all their lives to get something. When you guys come in and get real contracts, not just like bid right. part things. Right. Yeah, what are we doing? But at the same time, you do this segment that's the highest right. rated segment. It's like, what do you? That's kind of how this thing works, right? Exactly. Like the the people who are wanted to be watched on TV are the ones that are going to get TV time, right? And I yeah. think that's I, you know I don't know, but it kind of all makes sense. Is that that's why we came back? You know, that's why they brought us back. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, did you? I think we talked about this last time, but we were just talking about it before we started taping. Uh, and you were saying that you weren't allowed to have uh, an, an action figure because you know no. I got all the wrestling figures around here. I've been collecting forever. I see that. And I was thinking about it today before you came by. I was like, oh, it's, I was like, no, there's never been a Mean Street Posse nope. figure because I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting for the first person to come in here who's also got their action figure in here. Right, right. Um, but how come? Yeah, because I would think you'd at least have like a. Like a T-shirt that's like, a, you know, the the tuxedo T-shirts. Why wouldn't they make like a Mean Street Posse sweater vest T-shirt? Well, that's what, who knows, right? Yeah, I mean, the same guys that got me to drop my pants, right? They came up with uh, back then. They came up with a design for the Green Witch Project instead of the Blair Witch Project, mm-hmm. kind of a spinoff. Mm-hmm. And that little symbol mm-hmm. was a dollar sign, kind of like the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then, there's a whole thing about it's called the you know and then on the back it was like you know three men that came to the WWF or you know WWF with a vengeance and blah 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 it was like a whole storyline thing um, you know they they came up with all these ideas but it all got shot down we weren't back then not everybody got those things not everybody got a t-shirt mm-hmm. not everybody got an action figure no you know it was I I was shocked that we were able to become characters in the video game yeah and we were hidden characters you had a you had to win X amount of matches to get to us, to have access to us. Um, 
And Vince didn't want to show favoritism. You know, I found that out through Shane. So it's almost like you get less. Well, put it this way. If, if, if there's a guy that's been breaking his ass mm-hmm. and, you yeah. know, and he, you know, here comes two guys from Greenwich, Shane's buddies, and they get, you know, with, like, uh, for example, when, when we went, the company went public, mm-hmm. we weren't allowed to buy stock. The guys were allowed to get stock. We weren't allowed to get stock. Specifically, the posse can't get. We stock. were not allowed to get stock because they didn't want to show favoritism. We were allowed to get it at the, at the price, which I still remember. The price was seventeen dollars. Yeah, I... They were allowed to get it at. And I remember Bradshaw telling everybody when he got to thirty four, that same day, get out. <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah, and I mean, and he's a stock expert, yeah, so he, they doubled their money. They got out. Wow. You know, and that was the other thing too. Is like, and I, I had heard that that was different. Like guys back then, you know, they had stock tips and. I'll never forget Big Show came in once and he said, uh, hey, there's an IPO coming out. Everyone should get involved. Krispy Kreme. And of course, he got a lot of grief for Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> he's the one who's going to suggest that. Yeah. He made a lot of money on that. I'll bet he did. Oh, Everybody's yeah. laughing at him. Yeah. He's like, okay, guys, that's real funny, right? Yeah. He's like, you guys should buy. He got in on the Krispy Kreme IPO. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's great. I'm losing all my money in Bitcoin, so I don't know what, <laughs> what I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, you'd think. I mean, look. This is what they're putting out. This Virgil figure. I put a Not Sam shirt on. I like it. But this thing came out like this year. Come on. This is from this Christmas season. You would think, you know. It would be cool to have throwbacks, right? I mean, they had the three-dimensional. They took the 3D thing for our heads because of the thing. It would always be cool. Yeah. You know, some guy, some fan uh, back when we were wrestling uh, made, I guess, put together a Mean Street Posse characters. Uh Uh-huh. And I always thought it would be cool, and I bought it for my mom off eBay. You know, Do you know how much I, it cost me? How much? $50. For your own thing that somebody made? I had to outbid. I'm not <laughs> kidding you. I'm not kidding you. Aww. It was like three, three or four people. And I, it cost me $50 to buy the peak-ass doll. That wasn't even peak-ass. I think it was Vince's head. We <laughs> had the haircut. And then did you have to put, like, uh, did you have to send it? Like, did they ask, like, Pete Gasper? Yeah. Are you actually Pete Gas? Did you did they yeah. they put two and two together? Yeah, they did. And did you just tell them like, yeah? yeah and just... then I gave it to my mother for Christmas. Yeah. And then about a month later, the dog walked by with it in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I confiscated it, so I still have it. Yeah, but there's some teeth marks in it. No, no, it wasn't oh, okay. I got it. I got it early. We yeah, drool, but that's about it. <laughs> because it's one of one. Yeah, you can't reach it. out to the company and get another one. That's it. But look. Mattel is doing some weird stuff with toys right now. They put out this Virgil. Yeah. Before this, they put out an Isaac Yankum. Come on. They're putting out a... That's remember, awesome, remember, Yeah, remember, that's when, cool. remember when Earthquake went... You don't went, have it over there? I got Isaac Yankum over oh, there. Oh, yeah. Showed you oh yeah, I'll show it to you. <laughs> remember when uh, when Earthquake went to WCW and he became the Shark? I do. He's like the worst... This year, they're putting out an action figure of the Shark. Like oh, They're just putting on. out like the weirdest... like. And no MSP? I mean, the lane's wide open. As far as I, mean, I can you're see, the, you're the man now. I mean, you're the guy. I should reach out to them and say, you like, are at, the least, guy. at least, I mean, you can put together a, a, a Pete and Rodney two pack, and then th- throw in Joey Abs in there. Abs yeah, why not? Right? Why not? That would be pretty cool. Are there any? You uh, got to show me some of those. Uh, seriously, I will. I'll show you right I'm after. I'm actually really interested in that stuff. Yeah, and I'll, uh, I'll I, I just had the guy from Mattel on the podcast, so I will absolutely. I got heat with him though. I'm gonna send him a text. Yeah, and say like, <laughs> look. What's so? I mean, the people want posse. Matter of fact, people want posse. People you want the posse. You said something so bad. Right you, <laughs> you guys out there right now, tweet at Mattel, <laughs> whoever you need to tweet. Hashtag people want posse, and get well, some. Let's want, get. Some. <laughs> people want posse. People want posse. Make sure you spell it right. I got a story now. 
Yeah. So Stone Cold, uh, he's the, he said it every single day, but it was funny every time he said it. Mm-hmm. We would be walking by, you know, going to get ready, get dressed for the, a match or something, and he'd be in the hallway drinking black coffee, and he he would yell, "Posse, I thought you said." And then he would say the other Pussy. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, it, it, and the first time he said it, we kind of, I kind of looked back at him. And then he he just said it every single every time. day. It was like a broken record, but it was funny every time he said it. I must. It's probably, I mean, in that Austin voice too, it probably just got funnier. Oh yeah, like the more he said, like the right. hundredth time was probably the funniest oh, time. And then there's t- big thing of chaw in his mouth, and he you know he's spitting in a cup. Bossy. Yeah, like, <laughs> it was great though. It was awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Is there any? Uh, story in your book because you know like I, I think that uh the one thing the last time we spoke it was like an hour and uh you were like you know what's ironic here is we have not even scratched the surface yeah i feel like yeah and i think we still like right. there's still we could do this i think over and over and over again until the end of time is there any story either in your book or are there stories that are not in your book i don't think so or did you because well, stories that i you know i kind of kept clean you know, right i am married but <laughs> so, but that's what's great about that was respect out of respect for my wife. I didn't want to, you know. Sure, sure, yeah. That that's just you know. Right. We got to have a life outside this book right. somewhere, right? Right, <laughs> right. Um, now, if I was single, it would have been a right. bestseller. <laughs> but I think that uh, I think that that's what's so great about your book is that it's just like all these stories that people want to hear. Yeah, right. It's not like a whole. It, it, here it is. Here's the here's the here's the fun stories that right. you want to hear about the guys that you love. But you know the funny thing about the book is, and you know, I guess maybe the timing was. It's never a bad time because it's the attitude era. Maybe it's bad timing because I've been out of the business for a while, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like it's a book that if someone reads it, and it, I've I've yet to find someone that's read it that said it sucked, right? And I mean that. You know, you're always going to have someone negative saying, oh, he kissed Shane's ass in the book. Well, you know what? I did kiss his ass because he, if you want to call it that, because what he did for me is something that no one could do for him. You know, it's amazing that it's like, you can't be, it's not, it's why genuine. he's loyal to his friend. It's, he's I'm an ass kisser. He yeah. already did, he already did the stuff. I don't have to kiss his ass. <laughs> you're not it. trying, you're not, you're not kissing his ass for one more run. Right. Right. Not that I wouldn't take Although, it. I mean, no. if, if, if but, you're uh, out there, no, Shane. But honestly, like, you know, and I feel like if. The way this book is going to really sell is if someone reads it and says, "Hey, you know, this is my copy. You should go out and get this thing, man. You're gonna, if you like the Attitude Era, you're really going to enjoy it." And that's the way it's been with, you know. Yeah. And I mean, I've been on a lot of radio shows and a lot of stuff, and the people that do read it really do like it, and, and you know, and the guy that wrote it with me, John Robinson's done a lot of books with WWE, and he and I just talked last month right before um, Christmas. And he says, you know, he goes, that book, he said, it just doesn't do, like, people are buying it, but they're not not as many people as we thought would be. And it's one of those reasons because, again, I haven't been in, in the business that long. I, I, it's been so long since I've been in the business. Sure. Long. But he says, you know, I'm so proud of that book. He goes, it's really a good book. And yeah. this is the guy, you know, and he's not just saying it to blow smoke. Right. He didn't have to say anything. Right. You know, he already put the work in. Well, I mean, I think it's like these interviews that we do. Like, I don't, I, I think that people kind of forget. And it's also like, look, the thing about being in the Attitude Era is the good part is that it was the biggest time in the history of wrestling. So right. you can put a book like this out. Yeah. The bad thing is it's got the most stars ever, 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 yeah. ever. So there's a lot of people in there. Yeah. And to kind of fight your way through to be like, hey, guys, remember Pete Gas? 
like people will be like, oh yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah, Edge and Christian, yeah, I remember right. those guys. Like people forget that the posse worked with everybody. everybody. Like backstage stories aside, the fact that like you're playing dominoes with the Undertaker, right. the fact that Kane's chasing you down up and down the hallways, right, right. the fact that you know Hardcore Holly is like being like, yeah, I gave you everything. Backstage aside, right. like just from a fan perspective, if you start scanning through the network, you realize that in that era, the posse worked with everybody. And I mean, but the story itself though is about how Vince took two guys mm -hmm. with no experience. Right. Sam, this has never been done before. Mm -hmm. And it never will be now that with the performance center and all the other stuff going on. They don't just take two guys and throw them in the ring. No. Without experience. No. You'll never see that again. Uh-uh. Especially especially not take two guys with no experience and then match them up with Briscoe and Patterson who are like right. too old like they're not working a full match, right? Right. And be like, here, do a segment. Here's a whole segment of live TV. I'm the right. highest rated show on cable. Right. Go for it, guys. Here's your 15 minutes. And that's the thing. you know. People, I guess people, once you kind of put all those pieces together and realize it's something that's never been done before. Right. And that's what that's, it tells that story, you know, and it's kind of, you know, it's great for us because it was, sure, we got the opportunity from Vince, but like, you know, if, if it sucked or if it didn't, if it didn't get reactions or ratings, we would have been done. Or no, he, yeah, he's not gonna have us on because, you know, he's known us since we were in tenth grade no. or, or whatever. It's business. Who, yeah, that's business. That yeah. doesn't, you know, just like when we eventually got let go, that was business. Boom. Right. Hurt like hell, but we we got let go, and that was it. Right. So it, it is what it is. It's business. Right. But we had a great run, and we did something that you know no one's ever done before. Well, I would, I would. Are you have you checked out the performance center? Have you been down there? I have. Yeah. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Like, wow. can you like? Do you think about that like? Not that you would have come through the Performance Center, because I don't think you would want to change your, your journey, but just thinking about, like, in that time off, like, either yeah. in the, the time we talked about when you were in Puerto Rico, or yeah. or even in that period of time Memphis. between your runs in Memphis. Yeah. Like, if you had had access to that. it was It's ridiculous. Yeah. There's no reason, you know, with all respect to everyone that's down in the Performance Center, there's no reason to not get better. Right. And uh, you watch NXT... And those are most of those people are coming from the performance center, yeah. and they are getting better, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's that's a testament to, again to Triple H. I mean, that's that's yeah. his baby. Yeah, him and Matt, Matt Bloom. Yeah, who I love He's a great guy. Um, but are yeah. you, do you do you get are you surprised at all to see where people end up? Like to like, did you think when you were hanging out with? Matt. Albert at the time, yeah, that he's going to be the guy who's the head coach down at the performance center one day, and that this guy's going to be doing this, no. right? Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, yeah. or that, or that even the the road dog is one of the is one of the top. Not him, I did. Top guys over there, him, really? I, yeah. Why is that? I'm just because he has this knowledge of the business. Mm -hmm. He knows, you know, like he used to, he, he and Xbox, and I I personally autographed books for them and gave them copies, and I wrote a real nice note about how. How much they helped me. Um, they would help us backstage, tell us how to cut the ring off when you're doing tag stuff, and the little things, you know, the little things to make a match better, to make it make sense. Right. And how much, you know, they what they really did. He he has that knowledge. I mean, he's a. It's in his blood. It's in mm -hmm. his family. You know, and he knows that business, and he just knew that he had that sense for it. I mean, at least I did because of the way he helped me, and. Um, you know, those guys, and I, I wrote to them, you know, about how much they helped me, thank you, but more importantly, just being a friend. Yeah. You know, because during that era, when guys were trying to knock our heads off, you know, those guys were helping. 
Yeah. You know, and know, they didn't have to. Right. Edge and Christian, the same thing. Yeah. You know? So those guys were, you know, really helpful. I think uh, I think X Pac is is it's criminally uh, underrated yeah. how much uh, insight he has. Oh, no doubt. To the business. Every time I talk to him, and I talk to him a lot, but yeah. like any time I talk to him, and I've been watching. You know, I'm not. A wrestler, as you may or may not know, no, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. But you know, I've been watching this stuff for thirty-four years, all my yeah. life. And anytime I'm watching with him, right. he'll just like point out this little thing, like, "Oh, I'll go. What do you think of this match?" Or, "Oh, what do you think about this?" And he'll just point out this little thing Genius. that, like, I never would have even seen. Right. And you're, I go, "Oh my, like you're right." Like he goes, "Well, no, the way he's doing that ankle right there on, the, he could have done this and blah blah blah." And right. it's just like that, like in the snap Make of the fingers. Smoother, right. More fluid. And I go, oh my God, like it never even occurred to me that you could change that, let alone that you could change it to that. Right. Right? Absolutely. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. Well, uh, uh, people can get your book on Amazon. Amazon. Is that the best place? Barnes and Noble. Yeah. Yep. I've seen it. It's on It's on store shelves. That's yeah. kind. Of, that's pretty amazing, that's pretty huh? Cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Well, uh, uh, everybody go out and, uh, and get Pete Gass's book. If you weren't convinced by the last interview... <laughs> You should be convinced by this one, um, and it's great. It's one of those books that'll last forever. Like, you didn't get it when it came out. Buy it now. It's still yeah. just as good, right? Still there. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for hanging out, man. I Thanks. appreciate it. I appreciate. This is great, by the way. Oh, thank you, thank you for uh, entering into the beautiful Not Sam Studios. I love it. Yeah, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, but thanks for having me. Yeah, Here you. is Sam Roberts. It's always so good to catch up with Pete Gas. I love that guy, and I love the success that he's having. I love the the Pete Gas nostalgia run that we're all on. And really, get out there and start tweeting at Mattel. I don't see if Mattel's got all these uh, quirky characters that they're turning into action figures, like the shark and Isaac Yankum and Virgil and uh, who else is over there? The Shockmaster. I mean, Adam Rose's bunny got one. We've never had Mean Street Posse action figures. I don't know why now is would not be a great time to get one. So go out there. Let Mattel know what you want. In the meantime, if we're talking about merchandise, we got to be talking about the Not Sam stuff, right? Uh, I'm talking about Not Sam shirts, the classic uh, N-O-T-S-A-M design. I'm talking about Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast t-shirts. I'm talking about uh, the Sam Roberts 8-bit shirt. I'm talking about the classic... Get your opinion out there on me with the Shill Roberts Shill t-shirt. They're all available now. And that Shill Roberts Shill t-shirt is fabulous. You can get the Sam Roberts as a little kid shirt. You can get whatever you need over at NotSam.com slash merch. You go to NotSam.com. There's a merch button right there. But if you go to NotSam.com slash merch, you'll go straight to the store uh, and you'll be able to pick up your very own Sam Roberts t-shirt. Let those colors fly and I'll be uh, I'll be around at a lot of WWE this month. Uh, uh, I'll be around in the vicinity for the Raw 25th anniversary, for NXT Takeover Philly, for for the Royal Rumble. I'll be around. And if you want to impress me when you see me, you gotta have one of those Sam Roberts shirts on, right? Guys come up to me and they're like, "I'm a big fan," and I look at their T-shirt and I go, "Apparently not that big of a fan." So go over to NotSam.com/merch and prove me wrong now. Before we get into the state of wrestling and what I deem the five biggest stories in wrestling of the week, a big story in wrestling podcasting uh, broke this week when Colt Cabana said as of 2018, which is the year that we're in now, he will no longer be doing interviews on his podcast. Colt Cabana's 
podcast. And I feel like over the last year or two, it's been not the podcast itself, but the reputation, the 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 knowledge of this podcast, the legacy of the podcast has not been given uh, the credence that it so deserves. Cole Cabana was really the first, in my mind, he doesn't like to say this because I guess, it, I don't know, but in my mind, Colt Cabana was really the first mainstream wrestling podcast. And I believe Colt Cabana was the first wrestler to really show that podcasting could make sense on a monetary level, right? Colt Cabana figured out how to turn it into a business without sacrificing any of his art. And what Colt really did as a fan of comedy, you know, it's clear to me that Colt Cabana saw great podcasters like Mark Marin and people like that and said, hey, like, I know that they find the world of comedy fascinating, but I'm obsessed with this world of wrestling. And I think there are a lot of other people that are obsessed with this world of wrestling. And I think there's a place in the podcast sphere for it. And so that's what he did. And it, it was kind of unproven, the idea of a wrestler podcasting and interviewing another wrestler. That It, it wasn't as much of a no-brainer as it is today because people hadn't done it. Colt Cabana was podcasting before I was. You know, I was on the radio, but he is the one that had this wrestling podcast. And certainly the first wrestling podcast that I listened to. Um, and, you know, I, I guess he has done it all. I mean, he's, he's, he's accomplished what he set out to accomplish. And he's now going to be doing more of a, uh, like a, a, a diary type podcast. It's going to be an audio journal of what he's doing uh, in the world as an independent wrestler. And I think that's a, a great idea because, you know, I think Colt's story is an amazing story in the sense that he's done so much independently and he had this WWE dream and it didn't quite work out, but now he's he's just doing other things and it's working for him and he's creating a name without a machine behind it. Um, but I don't think that we're aware enough of what the ongoing story sounds like. So I'm looking forward to his, his new podcast, but part of the reason why I put this out there was because I kind of didn't even... I didn't even put myself into this conversation. I just thought this was a conversation about Colt Cabana. And uh, over the week, somebody tweeted him and said, hey, man, you know, I love your podcast. If you're not going to be doing, I'm going to keep listening, and I suggest everybody do, but if you're not going to be doing these in-depth interviews anymore, like, where can I go? And to my surprise, and this is because I guess Cabana's just a really good dude like that, Colt said Sam Roberts. He said, at not Sam is probably where you would go. And I didn't even think about that. You know, the fact that, well, somebody's got to take the reins on this uh, on this wrestling interview podcast thing. And I would never put myself in that category because Colt Cabana comes from a, a different perspective. You know, the idea of wrestlers interviewing other wrestlers is always going to be different than non-wrestlers interviewing wrestlers just because of the life experience and the perspective. It's why when you watch the NFL, there's a football player in the play-by-play -play booth along with a broadcaster because the broadcaster can study all he wants. He's not going to understand what it feels like to be on the field. And that's what Colt Cabana brought to the table and guys like uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, and even Bruce Pritchard, even though he doesn't do interviews, uh, have have brought to podcasting is sharing that perspective. I share a different perspective. I share the perspective of a fan, a guy who's loved wrestling for 34 years now and continues to love wrestling and is just having the time of his life uh, getting to talk to some of these people. So that said, uh, I am going to be 
doubling down and really trying to focus on that part of what we do here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Not that I wasn't focused on it before, but because there is a need for good wrestling interviews out there, that's something I'm going to, I'm going to try to do. I'm going to, and, and when there are guys that you want on the podcast, please tweet me, tweet them, let them know that there's this desire. I mean, it worked. We're going to have Dalton Castle on soon. We're still going to continuously have guests on from WWE, uh, independent wrestling, international wrestling, all over the place. But it really helps uh, me when you guys show an interest in who you want me to talk to. I'm not one of these guys who's on the road, you know, finding a guy in a locker room and saying, hey, do my podcast. I'm a guy who's like, hey, we got to figure out when you got some free time to either, you know, come to a studio in New York or, or head down to the not Sam Studios, and, and let's lay something down for the people so we can get a conversation going like the one that I had with Pete Gass. So let me know who you want on the show this year. Let them know that you want them on this show. And, uh, and we're really going to try to focus on the interview aspect of this thing. Not to say that the state of wrestling is going anywhere. The state of wrestling is going to remain intact. Our format, as of, uh, I guess, last week, is the top five stories in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, from my eyes, and sometimes I'll open that up to you guys on Facebook to, uh, to contribute to. Um, so, enough talking about the state of wrestling. Let's get into it. Let's find out what this week's top five stories are. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. So the number five story this week in the state of wrestling as we count down, in my mind, is the fact that on SmackDown this week, Sami Zayn pins the WWE champion AJ Styles. And look, this is something that, that we talked about, I think, last week, just last week here on the podcast, that Sami Zayn is quickly becoming a serious contender for the WWE championship. It's not just him there to uh, uh, inflate or not, not, not inflates the wrong word, but to, to support, I guess, Kevin Owens. He's not just there in a support role for main event Kevin Owens. I think Sami Zayn is there to be an equal. And honestly, he's doing some of the best stuff he's ever done right now as a bad guy. In the short amount of time that he's been doing what he's doing, just his presence, what he does in the ring, his promos, everything is just some of the best stuff that he's done since coming to the main roster. So I think that there are, there are two reasons why, to me, Sami Zayn beating AJ Styles is a big story. Number one, because it certainly puts Sami Zayn on a different pedestal than he's been in in a very, very, very long time. Maybe since his injury. You know, you recall that Sami Zayn, when the, when the John Cena United States Wimbledon Memorial Open Battle Royal Challenge first began, Sami Zayn from NXT was the guy who popped out. This was before Kevin Owens from NXT accepted the challenge. It was Sami Zayn. He injured himself right before the match, but he still had the match, and it was a great match, and he had all this buzz around him. And if he hadn't been injured in that moment, maybe he would have been on the the Kevin Owens path at that moment. Um, but instead, he, he he got hurt. He had to sit on the on the back burner for a little while. When he returned, he was back in NXT for a little bit, and that's when he was there until Nakamura debuted so that he could make his way up the main roster. But I would say since that moment, since the John Cena-Sami Zayn match before Sami's injury, he has not his stock has not been as high as it was this week, as of SmackDown pinning the champion. And while there was uh, uh, chicanery and tricks abound, still... There's no doubt that he gets credit for 
even without the tricks, holding his own against the champion and with the tricks pinning him. Uh, so there's that. There's that moment of Sammy being like, oh, this is different than I thought it was. There's the idea that anytime a champion gets pinned, it's a big story. I suppose it should be, right? In principle, it is. But to me, the biggest part of Sami Zayn pinning Kevin Owens was what was happening around it, the storytelling going on around it. And that is the Shane McMahon, Daniel Bryan story. And for me, even more, I believe that Daniel Bryan's going to be wrestling this year at WrestleMania, even more now than ever. And the reason for that is that up until this week, so starting in late October probably, as we started building towards Survivor Series, Shane McMahon started doing some kind of weird stuff that Daniel Bryan might have taken some exception with, right? In the last month or so, there has been noted tension leading up to and coming out of Clash of Champions. There's been mounting tension. Coming out of Clash of Champions, there was actually, at the Clash, physical contact between Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. Coming out of Clash of Champions, it was clear these two don't get along. I think that from the beginning, the story that we were kind of being pushed towards was a story of Daniel Bryan being a bad guy and possibly being on the side of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. But to me, that story didn't hold water. To me, if you're paying attention to everything that's gone on, up until this week, nothing that Daniel Bryan did was unjustifiable. Nothing that Daniel Bryan did was even outside of the of the professional interest of the SmackDown brand. It was Shane McMahon that was acting from an emotional place, and just because he was attacking a bad guy, quote-unquote, does not mean that he was being a good guy. Because as the guy who's in charge of SmackDown, he wasn't thinking about SmackDown. He was thinking about his, his, his personal beefs, right? The character was thinking about his personal issues with Sammy and Kevin and not, okay, these are guys that belong here on SmackDown and let me give, let me give these two guys this much attention and I got to pay attention to the middle of the show and the beginning of the show and blah, blah, blah. No, it was just... Let me do whatever I can to make Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens' lives miserable, and I'm going to try to fire them. Let me figure out a reason to fire them without actually having a reason to fire them. It's a very bad guy thing to do. Daniel Bryan was right last week when he said that Shane McMahon was becoming Mr. McMahon. Right? That was right. He was, he was right on. You can't really argue that too much. This week was the first time that I think that they decided in WWE to double down and make it clear that Daniel Bryan was not necessarily on the up and up, that Daniel Bryan might have more than SmackDown's best interest at heart because he did. Because especially at the end, I mean, making... And Shane's not off the hook because Shane shoving Kevin Owens just from a logical, what are the rules, what's justifiable, good person standpoint was not justified. The boss of a company cannot put his hands on one of the superstars, right? Because the superstar technically can't fight back. This is your boss because the boss shouldn't be this emotional about his superstars anyway for a, for a multitude of reasons. That was, that was the wrong thing to do. But for Daniel Bryan to turn around and make a handicap match for the Royal Rumble uh, was 
totally not something that was done because that was the championship match that the SmackDown universe needed to see. Daniel Bryan doing that was either because he really is on the side of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, or he's just so fed up with Shane McMahon that he wants to do stuff that bothers Shane, right? There is this possibility in this story that the Daniel Bryan character is not necessarily on the side of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, but he's more on the side of pissing off Shane McMahon which is believable and justifiable and something that that we can believe that character would do. We're still running a huge risk. If the story we're telling is that Daniel Bryan is indeed on the side of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, I do not see how Daniel Bryan becomes a bad guy ever, ever, ever. Especially since he's not wrestling. He's so beloved and people want to see him in the ring so much that you will never, ever get him booed. It just won't happen, right? And it's almost like like the lesson that we learned from the whole Yes movement, the lesson of Daniel Bryan's entire career is that Daniel Bryan is special and there is something about Daniel Bryan that stops us from the norm, that stops us from being able to dictate the audience reaction to him. It stops us from allow, from being like, okay, well, now we're going to turn him. Well, now we're going to put him back here. As of this moment, the fans are locked on to Daniel Bryan. And if you get him back in a ring, I'm not saying Daniel Bryan can never, ever be a bad guy ever again. But, you know, he's so they he's so desired by fans to be back in a WWE ring that I don't think you're ever going to boo him. So, I'm very intrigued by this championship match at the Royal Rumble. I don't think anybody necessarily saw it coming. It saves us matches, right? It makes it so... We're not wasting any matches that we would see at a WrestleMania or at a uh, whatever. You know, we we still can move with this story as we go. Um, The one good thing about this is if they do try to make Daniel Bryan a bad guy, as much as I don't think he'll ever get booed in a match against Shane McMahon, if he does have his match with Shane McMahon... He can theoretically come out of that match and ha- and have a match later down the road with AJ Styles, with AJ being a good guy. Again, I still don't think that Daniel Bryan will ever be looked at as a bad guy. But if it means we get a Daniel Bryan-AJ match, then so be it. I do, however, still absolutely think that Daniel Bryan's wrestling in a WWE ring again. His latest quote on the matter was, if I'm not wrestling at WrestleMania, I'll probably never wrestle in a WWE ring again, but it's not, and this is paraphrasing, it's not so black and white, right? We're not, yeah, you, you can never be 100% sure. So, I don't know where it leaves us, but I'm, I'm sticking with my prediction, uh, and I, I, I think that that will become clear to all of us at the Royal Rumble when we see this handicap match go down. I mean, there's there, it's clear that, Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon are going to be involved somehow. And if Daniel isn't coming back to a WWE ring, which of course is very, very possible, if not probable, you know, I don't know what the betting odds would be on that, but it's going to be a major disappointment based on all the buildup that we've had over the last couple of months. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. The number four story this week, in my mind, uh, is breaking as we record this. As of Wednesday, we find out the first two tag teams in the Mixed Match Challenge. Of course, Mixed Match Challenge is the Facebook show that WWE is doing. Uh, they're going to launch it, I think, in a week or two. It's being launched before the Royal Rumble. And it's a, I think it's a 20-minute show. 
It's happening every Tuesday after SmackDown, live on Facebook, and it's a tag tournament of intergender tag matches between Raw and SmackDown. And they announced some of the participants uh, as singles, but none of the none of the teams who would be teamed up. This week, it, Kurt Angle tweeted out that because of Enzo Amore having the flu, he wouldn't be a part of Mixed Match Challenge. That doesn't make sense because Enzo doesn't have to wrestle for Mixed Match Challenge until way after his flu is going to be over. So I would imagine that something happened on Raw this week where Vince McMahon or somebody else just decided, you know what, I actually want to have this person in. I don't want to do Enzo anymore. Nah. You know, and that's the danger of not being around, I suppose. But... Two teams were chosen for Mixed Match Challenge. Uh, One is on the SmackDown side. Daniel Bryan announced it. Charlotte and Bobby Roode teaming up. And I don't know if it's just because they both wear robes. Uh, To me, the combination makes sense. Again, could just be that they both wear robes. But I feel like proclaiming yourself glorious and proclaiming that you have flair, those things go together. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. You know, I don't know who I would rather see Charlotte. Honestly, like, I don't know that AJ Styles is is performing for Mixed Match Challenge. I don't have the list in front of me. But that would be the dream team, obviously. Charlotte, if you're going to do intergender, putting the best woman in WWE, Charlotte, versus with, with on the same side as the best wrestler in the world, AJ Styles would be would be the dream team. Uh, and I'm assuming, by the way, that these, these mixed matches, mixed tag matches will work the way they have traditionally in WWE, not the way they work on the indies, where when a female is tagged in, the other female has to come in. There's not going to be any men versus women here. I would I would seriously, seriously doubt that. Um, the Raw side, one team has been introduced, and this team is a really interesting team, and I love it. Alexa Bliss and Braun Strowman are teaming up for the Mixed Match Challenge. Again, I'm not saying that those two teams are facing each other. Those are just two teams that are participating in the tournament show. Uh, I think it's going to make Braun Strowman just look like a monster. And that wasn't a mistake. I can't imagine that that was done by accident. To get the smallest person on your roster and put him, put her next to the biggest person on your roster. Like, all it's going to do is make Braun Strowman just look like a beast. Just look like a monster. Um, and I'm interested in seeing how they interact, you know? I think it's, I, I, I think it's the right move because on Raw... You know, what two people, what man and what woman are are grabbing more attention? I saw that Nia Jax was on Twitter uh, in character complaining that she did not get a part, uh, did not get to be partners with Braun Strowman. But I don't want to see, you know, Nia Jax, while she has more personality than your average monster, she's not like most girls. I don't know if you've heard that or not, but uh, I, I think that... Uh, Naya and Braun together, like Naya is as close to a Braun Strowman as anybody is on the women's roster, more so than Tamina. And I don't want to see two monsters together. You know, I don't want, I don't want to see, I want to see different. If we're going to make this a special thing, even though I just said Bobby Roode and Charlotte both have robes, but I like the idea of opposites attract. I like, I like this, this opposite team. So, uh, I'm interested. I just thought it was uh, cool that they introduced that, um, uh, and 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 went forward with it. Of course, there were some other stories. The Women's Royal Rumble is really uh, shaping up into something. You got Samoa Joe and Roman Reigns, but to me, the number three story this week is the vignettes we saw announcing that the Miz was returning to Raw next week. And that's not. I'm not. I'm not trying to make it seem like the Miz coming back to Raw will, is 
the biggest story ever because The Miz has done many movies and had to return to Raw. But, or SmackDown. But, the story here is that The Miz was just named Rolling Stone WWE Superstar of the Year. And people asked me why I didn't mention The Miz much, or if at all, on the year-end special last week. And the reason is, I thought 2016 was the year of The Miz. I don't think 2017 was. I thought 2016 was the year of The Miz. 2016 was the year that uh, I think that he came out of his shell. I think that it's the year that, that he made that leap from The Miz that we all knew into this sort of major league superstar. You know, when he was on this podcast, uh, he talked about uh, the level of competition that he's at right now and that he wants to be thought of as an elite superstar and talked about what that meant. And I thought 2016 was the year that he became elite. Uh, You know, I thought 2016 was the year he started to be elite, be be elite. Um, But... That's not to say 2017 wasn't a great year for him because he's one of my favorite wrestlers. But Miz has been one of my favorites for a long time. I was singing the praise of the Miz far before any of this was going on. So there's there's nothing, nothing like that going on here. But the Miz gets introduced uh, or, or gets announced as Rolling Stone's top WWE superstar of the year, which obviously has resonated with somebody because they made that part of their uh, package for announcing that The Miz was coming back, even having a package to announce that The Miz was coming back. And it was highlights, and it wasn't it wasn't 10 seconds. It was highlights, it was uh, uh, sound bites, it was this whole thing that really made you feel like a big star was returning to WWE, and that's not something that they've done for The Miz every time he goes away. I don't remember the last time they did something that big for The Miz, especially because it's only been like four weeks. It hasn't been, you know, this impossible length of time. You have to wonder if he's going to go right back for the Intercontinental title. And obviously, absence has made the heart grow fonder, I would imagine, with WWE. And they're looking at The Miz in a different light. In the sense that all this pomp and circumstance is going around him. And, And I would recommend... After Raw this week, I watched the new WWE show on the network, Photoshoot where they have guys just looking at photos. It really, uh, here's something that I thought about the photo shoot on the WWE Network. So what you're telling me is you're doing an interview without hiring an interviewer. <laughs> they're just, they're using photos to tell a story. So instead of getting, you know, primetime Sam Roberts, the last professional broadcaster, to show up on the WWE Network and interview some of these guys, they're getting a uh, photo projector. So that's where we're at right now. Hopefully at some point they'll uh, they'll say, hey, why don't we get the last professional broadcaster in here? But in the meantime, I'm being replaced by a uh, photo projector. That said, it was actually a great show. And I did learn something. Watch the episode with The Miz. The Cesaro episode is actually really, really great too. But it's an honest show. And in the episode with The Miz, we actually learned some new, I think it's new insight, it was new to me, on the Talking Smack segment that made The Miz which is the segment where he, he, Daniel Bryan said that he wrestles like a coward and The Miz kind of flipped out and had the tears in his eyes and, and, and Bryan ended up walking off and he told Bryan he should just quit then and, you know, he did the, the thing and it made The Miz, no doubt about it. But the insight that that show offered was Miz saying that before that episode of Talking Smack, I, and you don't even remember these things. That's how important moments are. The, the reality of the situation was he was not on SmackDown that week. 
as the Intercontinental Champion, he was not on SmackDown. He was told Creative had nothing for him. They were focusing on introducing the SmackDown Women's Championship and uh, furthering the SmackDown Tag Team Title Tournament, and they had nothing for the Intercontinental Champion. And The Miz was put off by it, and The Miz was pissed about it. And so, so he goes over, and he does Talking Smack, and it just all pours out of him. And it was really great to hear him tell that story. But I, I, in my opinion, the way The Miz is being treated upon his return is the number three story of the week. That's the big story. Not that The Miz is returning, but the way The Miz is being treated upon his return. We saw Becky Lynch. Absence made the heart grow fonder with her too. I mean, there was no pomp and circumstance around her return. There was no vignettes or anything like that. But you heard the fans chanting for her. They definitely wanted Becky Lynch back. And when she shows up, you heard the reaction. It was pretty, pretty outstanding this week on SmackDown for Becky Lynch. Um, so I think it's going to be something similar for The Miz. Uh, I, I think he's going to be able to maintain his heeldom. But I'd, I'd like to see him try to get the Intercontinental title back from Roman Reigns. I wouldn't mind seeing a Miz-Roman Reigns Intercontinental title build up towards the Royal Rumble. Um, and who knows, you know, I think it could be, here's what I would do. I would have the Miz come back on Raw looking for a shot at Roman Reigns Intercontinental Championship. I would have Kurt Angle push that match off to the Royal Rumble. He may push it to Raw 25, just because that's another show that you have to, you know, promote, but I would have him push to the Royal Rumble. So at the Royal Rumble, you're looking at the triple threat match between Brock Kane, Braun Strowman. You're looking for the Universal Championship. You're looking at the WWE Championship, AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. You're looking at the Women's Royal Rumble. You're looking at the Men's Royal Rumble. And I think you're looking at the SmackDown US title tournament closer. And what I would do is I would give The Miz his rematch at the Royal Rumble. And he would have to cheat. It wouldn't be a clean victory. But I would have The Miz beat Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. I just think that it wouldn't hurt Roman Reigns. And Roman Reigns needs to get rid of the Intercontinental Championship anyway. Number one, it's done no good for him. Number two, he's done no good for the title. And number three, and I'm worried that they're going to end up doing some kind of Roman Reigns-Samoa Joe match at the Royal Rumble. But I'd rather see The Miz-Roman Reigns, and I'd rather see The Miz win because Roman Reigns is going to be able to get away from that after he loses, you know, especially because there'll be some kind of cheating involved. The Miz can get right back to where he was and go into WrestleMania as the Intercontinental Champion because it was really, really working for him. And Roman Reigns can go do what he's going to do at WrestleMania, which I would imagine is going to be around the Universal Championship. That said, should Roman Reigns come out of the Royal Rumble with the Universal, I mean, of WrestleMania with the Universal Championship... The Miz is right there to say, I beat you at the Royal Rumble. I can beat you for that title too. I would love to see The Miz chase Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. I think it'd be great. And that said, yes, I do think it'll be a SmackDown guy that wins the Royal Rumble. I just, uh, not quite sure who yet. Okay? That's the number three story. The number two story of the week. Also, on Monday Night Raw, it's the Good Brothers and Finn Balor on the same team at the same time, for the first time since they were all in WWE together. And I just, 
I thought it was uh, really amazing. And I thought it was a great lesson for this world of wrestling because it was one of those things where on paper, I was like, I'm happy about this. When they announced it was going to happen and Finn Balor was smiling ear to ear, I was like, you know what? Awesome. They're going to have a fun match tonight. But in my head, I go, knowing WWE, just based on the history that we've all watched together, there is no reason to believe that this match is not going to be a one and done. That this is not going to be something that those guys come in, they have this match this week on Raw, and next week, you know, Finn Balor's back to losing to Kane or something. Um, What I think happened was, and who knows, maybe that is what will happen, but it's going to be difficult to pull that off because of three simple facts. Finn Balor, Carl Anderson, and Luke Gallows. What happened on Raw was that those three guys got together. And the same way Elias took full advantage of the fact that he got a segment with John Cena, and Elias's segment with John Cena put him on a different level, Finn Balor, Carl Anderson, and Luke Gallows decided to function as one performer. Instead of just being like, okay, I'll do my thing, you do your thing, you're do, you'll do your thing. And it really cemented itself for me in the finish of the match. It was very clear to me that these guys specifically went out there to make an impact as a team. I believe that the Good Brothers and Finn Balor left the WWE no choice but to leave them together. They made it so that any fan could see that... As of now, if you look at this week's Raw and the last two or three episodes of Raw, Finn Balor, Carl Anderson, and Luke Gallows, all three of those guys are better when all three of those guys are together. No one, you're not sitting there, there's no, all of them, all of them looked better. And seeing them all, Finn Balor is still the leader, and and but, but Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson are brought to this whole new place. And just that... They functioned so well as a team, they made it seem like they've been a team forever. They made it seem like this is our act. This is what we do on this show. The three of us team together. We don't have any interest in doing anything else. And they did that through their moves. They did that through the action. It wasn't in the promos. And, you know, the promos were fine and everybody's smiling and all the references being made to the fact that they used to travel together in Japan and they wrestled together in Japan and all this stuff. But... What really made it click was the action in the ring and what those guys decided to do by turning themselves into a unit, by making it so that they were not three individual performers anymore. They were one package deal. And I believe that because of what they did in terms of their moves, the audience at this moment right now would prefer to view those guys as a package deal. And I think it's going to happen because of them. I think that if you see them continue to work together as a team, they're working together as a team because of what they did. They got to the dance and then forced the WWE's hand, which is what you have to do. Not in a negative way. You know, you take advantage of the opportunity given to you. Finn Balor, Carl Anderson, and Luke Gallows were offered an opportunity and they seized on it and are way better off for it. Look at what's going on now. So I'm, 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 I'm excited to see what the future holds for this team because obviously they know how to take advantage of a great situation. And speaking of Japan, the number one story for me 
in the world of professional wrestling this week is all Wrestle Kingdom. This week is the week. Alpha versus Omega. Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, one-on-one in the Tokyo Dome. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom is happening. And as of the time this podcast is coming out, uh, it hasn't happened just yet. But we're good. It's, 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 well, I'm not going to say we're good because who knows. But I would imagine that it's going to be an amazing show. It always is an amazing show. I don't remember a time when Wrestle Kingdom was not an amazing show. But let's talk about uh, some of the stuff that's happening. First of all, of course, the big match, the United States Championship match, Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho, no disqualification match. Um, I don't think that this will be... I think Chris Jericho is going to go on a run outside of WWE. You saw his t-shirt pop up in Hot Topic. He's doing this show for New Japan. I don't... Because he doesn't have to be a full-time schedule. He can keep touring with Fozzie. I think that in the coming months, Chris Jericho will be working for companies besides WWE, whether that's New Japan. I wouldn't be surprised if he pops up in Ring of Honor. You know, he's working with Ring of Honor on this cruise thing that he's doing. I wouldn't be surprised at all if all this stuff, if Chris really decided, okay... He's probably not going to have a better WWE run than the last one he had with Kevin Owens. And that's not taking anything away from Chris Jericho. That's to say that that's one of the best runs that anybody's ever had. But when was the last time he had a, a, a very su- an amazing, successful run outside of WWE? Jericho's always looking to do something else. He's always looking to figure out what the next thing is. And I don't think this will be a one and done. I think that Chris Jericho is about to go on the tour of Jericho. Buy a ticket, man. I think that, that that's what we'll see coming out of this. It's going to be a terrific match. I do think that Naito versus Okada for the heavyweight championship, for the IWGP championship, is the match that's going to steal the show. I think that Jericho Omega is going to bring people to the dance, but Okada Naito is going to steal the show. I think that both those guys um, have so much riding on this. They know there are more eyes on the show than ever before because of Jericho. Uh, Naito and Okada both know uh, how much Kenny Omega's career benefited and Okada's career benefited from the series of Kenny Omega-Okada matches that happened in New Japan. And I think Naito based on the journey that he's been on and the spot that he's at in his career, is going to do everything in his power to outshine those matches. And I think Okada's going to do that too. Okada doesn't want people to think that he's got one good match in him, and that's with Kenny Omega. Okada wants people to think that whoever he's in the ring with is going to be the match of the night. And so I think that Okada and Naito are going to do everything in their power to steal the show. But I also think they're going to try to steal the thunder that the Okada and Omega created last year. And that is the best f- when wrestling is at its best, when people are competing on this level. New Japan storytelling, its they've done a really good job this year. And there are a couple people who have done it independently. But New Japan has released some videos on YouTube and stuff explaining the stories of these matches. And Naito just has such a great story. Because it's real life, you know. It's it, it's this it's this weird it's this it's this combination of when wrestling is at its best, of wrestling and real life. Naito was kind of like Roman Reigns, in the sense that 
he was given the world. But the fans didn't react to him the way I think New Japan thought. And maybe his performance wasn't as good as maybe New Japan thought. But when the fans didn't react to him, New Japan management did not do what WWE did. New Japan management acknowledged the fans and kind of cast him away. And that created the ingobernales, tranquilo Naito that we know today. Um, And I just think it's his time. He's my favorite performer in all of New Japan. And I think Naito and Okada are going to uh, execute on the fact that there are so many eyes on them that they're going to make sure that they're the ones that people are talking about coming out of this thing. So you got those two big matches. Uh, and, then you, and then you got, you know, Jay White versus Tanahashi. You've got uh, Marty Skrull defending the Junior Heavyweight Championship in a four-way against Will Ospreay, Takahashi, and Kushida. Um, a hair versus hair match between, uh, Mino, I don't know, Minoru Suzuki versus uh, Goto. Of course, I mean, this is one that that I think everybody is looking forward to and a match that I think is going to attempt to steal the show but might not be successful, Ibushi versus Cody Rhodes. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm, it's kind of surprising. Cody Rhodes finds himself in the middle of this card as much as we're used to seeing Cody Rhodes in the main event here in the States at Ring of Honor, middle of the card. So there, there's a lot going on. And of course, uh, you got just a straight tag team match uh, between Rapongi 3K and the Young Bucks for the Junior Tag Team Championship, which, again, you got all of those guys. All of them are going to try to steal the show. The Bucks, Rapongi, they're going... Like, that's what... But that's what makes New Japan so great, that everybody tries to steal the show. Um, and I think that that's what we're in for at Wrestle Kingdom this week. Um, you'll probably, by the time you're listening to this, it's probably just finishing. I believe that it airs in the States if you're watching it live, I think it's Thursday morning at 2 a.m. So this podcast is released to the world Thursday morning at 3 a.m. So if you listen to it as soon as it comes out, you can listen to it while you're watching Wrestle Kingdom. But if you listen to it during the day, like most people on, on the Thursday that it comes out, Wrestle Kingdom might have already happened. As I said earlier, if you think that I should cover Wrestle Kingdom, hit me up on Twitter or Facebook, not Sam, and tell me that you need a bonus state of wrestling um, to talk about what went down at Wrestle Kingdom because I'm so anxious to see uh, all of what I just covered this this year. And I think that, that this has potential to be, to, to be one of the better Wrestle Kingdom shows. But, you know, they do every year now. New Japan does not skimp on Wrestle Kingdom. That's one thing that they do not do. Um, lots of stuff we didn't talk about, of course. The Jason Jordan, uh, Shelton Benjamin almost win. Refgate possibly returning. I would say so. I'd be pissed if I was Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable. The fact that uh, the, a ref's mistake caused the momentum shift to happen, because I think it did. Um... But uh, I I think that it's good for Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable because we're looking at them now in the light of of a contender for tag team champions. So I'm sure that that story will continue as all stories in the world of professional wrestling continue. We will be back next week here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thank you all and goodbye. 
Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. For the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner. Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. Committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.